Hello, and welcome to Sin Nebraskans, the daily Nebraskan entertainment podcast. As always, I'm your host, Kyle Cruz, and I'm joined by my co-hosts. Hey, everybody. Uh, my name is David Berman. Um, I am the Daily Nebraskans COVID-19 section co-editor, um, and so we've been reporting on what's been going on, going on with the coronavirus on campus this semester, and we will continue to do so next semester as well. Um, and yeah, and I also do this pretty cool podcast with two pretty cool homies. Uh, and yeah, as well as uh, Mia Everding, I am co-host of this podcast and a grad student, and that's about it. And yeah, as I mentioned, uh, I'm Kyle Cruz. I host this podcast, write movie reviews for the DN, as well as just a couple other random things here and there. A um, couple things we want to mention off the top. Uh, first of all, we're recording this remotely again, um, just because we're all on break now, um, and we're wanting to keep this podcast going over break, so we're just going to be doing this. Um, and we're all in different places. So yeah, this is what it's going to be like for the next two months, just to get you ready for that. Um, and then also, this is our second time recording this podcast because I forgot to hit record the first time around. We were like 30 minutes in uh, and basically done with all of our news and ready to jump into the main topic. So yeah, that's my bad. Um, so yeah, I guess take two of this. Uh, we'll start with our first segment, which is what have I done? And what have I done is the segment where we just talk about what we've what we've been watching, what we've been up to. Um, and so, yeah, let's start with you, David. Uh, what have you been up to this week? Yeah, so um, just been mostly sitting around doing nothing the last week, um, enjoying some time off. Um, so I've been watching lots lots of good content. Um, the night after Thanksgiving, um, my parents and I decided, decided to watch Die Hard. Um, and yeah, I, I loved it. I thought it was really great. I thought, um, I went into it with pretty high expectations, you know, considering kind of how it is considered to be a classic of the genre. Um, but yeah, it definitely lived up to those expectations and was just, you know, a really, a really fun action romp, uh, with great performances by, uh, Bruce Willis and Ellen Rickman. And yeah, it's just, it's a ton of fun. Um, and yeah, it was a, a good, a good, had a good Christmas vibe to get me into, into the holiday season after Thanksgiving. So now that you've seen uh, Die, Die Hard, um, and I just saw Die Hard for the first time, like earlier this year, but do you think Die Hard is a Christmas movie? I think it absolutely is a Christmas movie. I didn't think I was going to think that. I kind of thought, I was I was gonna perceive it as a movie that just vaguely takes place on Christmas, but it definitely is a Christmas movie. That the Christmas theme is weaved in throughout the movie. Um, uh, he's he's taunting people. Uh, Bruce Willis is taunting the people he kills with like Christmas themed puns and uh, and, and and burns, and uh, and it ends uh, with "Let It Snow." That's what plays over the credits. So I'm like, this is absolutely a Christmas movie. Yeah, I agree. And I was kind of in the same boat before I saw it. Uh, before I saw it, I thought I was firmly in the it's not a Christmas uh, movie camp just because like, I guess I kind of considered it along the same lines of like an Iron Man 3 where like it just so happens to take place on Christmas. Um, but like, yeah, as you said, the the Christmas like theme and atmosphere is very much intertwined without throughout the whole movie. Um, so yeah, I, I agree that Die Hard is a Christmas movie. Um, Mia, have you seen Die Hard? Um, and even if not, do you think it's a Christmas movie? I have not seen Die Hard. Um, I guess now that I know Let It Snow plays, I don't, I don't know. Like when, do we know when it was, I mean, I guess that's an easy Google, but like when was it released? I know it was in the, was it in the late 80s? I think it oh, was. I meant like time of year, but oh, time of year. Yeah, uh, but oh, yeah. I'm sure we can give that. Ah, uh, uh, it was released in July. Hmm. That that kind of uh, kind of changes my thinking a little bit. I think that's just them being yep. dumb. Like, why would you? <sighs> like the the point of the movie is that it takes place like on Christmas Eve. And they're having a Christmas Eve party, and he has to kill some bad guys, but also rediscover his love for his family in a very Christmassy way. So, like, I just, I don't know. I think, I still think it's a Christmas movie. 
Yeah, I agree. It is kind of dumb that they released hmm. it in July. Okay. Well, there you go. But yeah, I guess it's kind of a Christmas in July situation if you want to if you want to go that route with it. Um, but yeah, there you um, go. I guess moving on from there, uh, Mia, what what have you been up to this week? What have you been watching? Well, I've been watching a lot of dumb rom-coms. For some reason, I've just been in that mood. So uh, not rom-com, but I did watch a marriage story last week, and that was a mistake because I was already sad, and then that just made me even more sad. But then the next night, I watched um, My Best Friend's Wedding, um, and that one was dumb, but it didn't make me sad, so that's good. Um, it's just basically julia roberts is in love with her her best friend uh is it dermot or derma dermot mulroney something like that i think it's dermot um i would say dermot well it says d-e-r-m-o-t not i dermot dermot i'm going going dermot as in rhymes i'm going dermot as in rhymes with kermit that's what i'm sticking with (laughs) okay Okay. Well, anyway, um, she's in love with him. They've been friends for like 20 years and he was in love with her for the first part of their friendship. And they were like a couple. Um, and then he, they have a deal that they're going to get married when they, they turn 28 and they're just about to turn 28. And, um, he's suddenly getting married to some other person and she's like well I have to convince him to like I have to go and break up the wedding so she's on a quest to break them up and sort of mishaps ensue and it's just sort of a mess um I guess it ends on a good note but it was just still pretty dumb like the premise is just sort of dumb but I guess it was the amount of dumbness in a rom-com that I was looking for so that's what I was doing this past week. What about you, Kyle? So as I've mentioned before, uh, for the past year or so, my like Star Wars fandom has kind of died down a bit, basically just like since The Rise of Skywalker came out and was, I don't think it's a bad, well, I don't think it's awful, but like it certainly was a disappointment. Um, but uh, I kind of feel my my Star Wars fan, uh, my inner Star Wars fan, uh, reemerging after after a year, um, and that's in large part thanks to the Mandalorian. Um, so this last week's episode of the Mandalorian was incredibly exciting. Um, as I've mentioned before, I'm a big fan of uh, the Star Wars Clone Wars animated series, and I've watched a bit of Rebels as well. Uh, but I'll come back to those. Um, but this past week's episode of the Mandalorian saw the live action debut of Ahsoka Tano, uh, played by Rosario Dawson. Um, Ahsoka Tano, if you don't know, is uh, a very popular character that was introduced in the Clone Wars animated series and then also carried over to the Rebels animated series. Um, she like started out as like an apprentice of Anakin Skywalker, but then over the course of the Clone Wars series, she like grows into her own character and her own Jedi. And there's a very interesting and complex story arc with her towards the end of that series that I won't spoil. Um, but basically, like, I think she is probably one of the more interesting characters, like, in the Star Wars canon as a whole. Um, so it was very, very exciting to see her show up in The Mandalorian. Um, it's also the latest point in time that we've seen her uh, canonically. Obviously, she was in Clone Wars, which is uh, between episodes two and three, and then Rebels in uh, between episodes three and four. Um, but yeah, Mandalorian is post episode six. Um, so it's just exciting to see her as, like, just kind of like an older version of that character who's more seasoned a little smarter and just kind of like she's kind of embraced like basically like her as a jedi um so yeah that was very exciting Uh, i thought this last week's episode of the mandalorian as a whole was just really solid um i'm very excited to see to see where they go in the future um but yeah off of that um because i enjoyed that episode so much i decided to to finally finish uh clone wars and rebels Um, So Clone Wars, I had watched all of the available seasons that there were, uh, like in high school and early college. Um, But uh, this past year, they released like another final season just to kind of wrap it all up because that show had gotten canceled, actually, uh, when Disney bought Lucasfilm. Um, But they they did one more season just to wrap it all up. Um, And I thought the last season was pretty solid. um, But the last four episodes in particular were absolutely fantastic and probably some of the best Star Wars material I've seen over the past few years. Um, just because they 
take place uh, like simultaneously as episode three, Revenge of the Sith. Um, but it shows like the events of that film basically from the perspective of characters that were introduced in the Clone Wars animated series. So like Ahsoka um, and like Captain Rex, who's like a clone trooper um, who actually shows up in Rebels as well and like has a couple other appearances um, throughout, yeah, Star Wars as a whole. Um, but yeah, I thought it was really interesting. Um, they also like something that's kind of become common knowledge at this point is the Clone Wars animated series brought back Darth Maul. Um, so he's very heavily tied into the last four episodes as well. Um, there's a, a fight sequence in that last arc between Ahsoka and Darth Maul that's probably like one, probably the best fight, like lightsaber fight in that entire series. Um, probably helping that out a bit is the fact that that was like they filmed that um, with motion capture and then animated over it. So uh, Ray Park, who played the, the physicality of Darth Maul in Phantom Menace and even in Solo, um, he came in and he did like all of the fighting and all the action work. Um, and then they just animated in Darth Maul over him. Um, and they kind of did the same thing with Ahsoka Tano. I don't know who did the, the stunt work for her though. Um, but yeah, it was a fantastic, fantastic fight. Fantastic, just like last arc as a whole. It was very satisfying conclusion to that series. Um, and I was happy that they focused it on the aspects of that series that they brought to the table rather than relying on like what episode three was doing. Um, because yeah, Anakin and Obi-Wan are barely in the last arc. Um, like they're at the very beginning and then they're like, hey, we have to go off to this battle at Coruscant, um, which is the beginning of episode three. And then you don't see them at all for the rest of the episodes. Um, which yeah, I, I really enjoyed it. Um, I also finished that and then started Rebels again. So I had wa previously watched the first two seasons of Rebels then just hadn't gone into three and four for some reason. Um, so I went back and watched the last two episodes of season two just because they're great episodes. Um, now I'm about halfway through season three and I'm really enjoying it. They introduced a character called Grand Admiral Thrawn who was originally introduced in like some books like uh, prior to Disney purchasing Lucasfilm, like just some general like non-canonical books um, that were in existence. Um, but now they've tied him into Rebels and they're teasing him in The Mandalorian, which I guess spoiler alert for that, but he, he does get name dropped in there. So we might be getting him in live action sometime soon, um, which I'm just very excited about. He's a very different kind of villain figure for Star Wars. He's much more kind of like intellectual and he focuses more on like culture and just art. Um, and uses that to inform his decision-making like as a villain, like he studies his opponents and that kind of stuff. And he's like a general for the empire. And so he uses that to kind of figure out like what the best way to destroy the, the individual uh, rebels, um, uh, like what the best way to, to overcome the rebels would be um, kind of culturally, which I think is really interesting. Um, but yeah, Star Wars is pretty cool. And I am excited to be kind of getting back into it. Um, it, it feels good. Um, have you, do you guys have any thoughts on any of this? I know I just kind of rambled for a long time, um, but yeah, Star Wars, what do you guys think? Yeah, uh, I thought the most recent episode of The Mandalorian was pretty freaking rad. Like I, that was my first, that was my introduction to the character of Ahsoka Tano and I thought Rosaria Daw Dawson played her extremely well um, and, you know, I, I definitely want to, um, learn more about that character and 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 want to watch clone wars and rebels which i i've always wanted to do but i've just kind of never gotten around to but now i'm dedicating myself to do it sometime this break um and yeah that's just that's just kind of what i like about the mandalorian in general is that it is really accessible um for kind of casual star wars viewers because it does it does tie into the larger star wars universe and and tries to bring you know different elements from 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 different mediums but it also kind of tells it's it, it's 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 telling its, its own story and it, it delivers it in a way that is is very easy for just kind of a, a casual Star Wars fan like myself to enjoy. Yeah, I guess moving on from there, we'll jump into our uh, our movie news for the week. Uh, we've only got one bit of comic book movie news, um, which is the fact that Disney has officially greenlit a third Deadpool film. Um, notably, they have changed up the writers for this. They've hired um, the, the Molyneux sisters. Um, it's a French name. I don't know if I pronounced that right, but I tried. Um, but yeah, they have worked on a lot of episodes of Bob's Burgers. Um, and yeah, they are going to be co-writing uh, Deadpool 3 uh, for, for Disney and Marvel. 
Um, so yeah, Ryan Reynolds is returning. It's very exciting. Um, it is confirmed to be rated R, so they're hoping to go down the kind of same path that they were already on with the last two films. Um, but yeah, it'll be interesting to see what Disney does with this because Disney usually doesn't do like hard R-rated material. So, and I feel like Deadpool is a character that if you try to censor him, it's just not really gonna work. So I'm curious to see what this ends up being. But yeah, what do you guys think? Yeah, I'm, I'm definitely excited. I, I think it makes sense that they're moving forward with the third one just because the first two were so successful. Um, I definitely was worried that they're going to kind of neuter this character and, and, and try to just make him, you know, a, l- a little bit raunchy, but just kind of a, a general like PG-13, like generally family-friendly character. But I'm glad they're moving forward with an R-rated uh, uh, movie and and with, and yeah, without having seen Bosberger's like, with that kind of style of like very irreverent comedy. So yeah, I'm really looking forward to it. What do you think, Mia? Um, I mean, I don't really, uh, I haven't seen the second Deadpool and I've only seen the first one once um, and I don't remember much of it. Um, and I have only seen like a select number of Bob's Burgers episodes. Um, and although I, I do appreciate the writing in that um, and that that style of comedy, I don't, I mean, I guess I don't really know how that's going to translate over into um, something like Deadpool, which does have a much more, uh, I mean, it's R, you know, it's a totally, it's a different type of of comedy um, and storytelling just in general. So I don't, I don't know how that's going to pan out, but I mean, it'll be exciting to see. Yeah, um, I'm a pretty big fan of Bob's Burgers. I've watched all the episodes, like all every season and I watch it week to week now as it comes out. Uh, I haven't watched this week's episode yet, but um, yeah, I'm a big fan of Bob's Burgers. Um, I would say that the the type of humor is definitely different from what we've come to expect from uh, Deadpool in the past, um, which maybe that's just because it airs on TV. And so like, it's not as like intense as Deadpool is. Um, but yeah, I'm really curious to see what uh, what these writers bring to the table with Deadpool and to see if it's like a noticeably different um, kind of style of humor or if they just really kind of stick with what, what they've done in the past um, or what's been done with the character in the past. Um, yeah, I guess moving on from there, uh, we got some uh, franchise movie news. Uh, first of all, uh, there's reports going around that Warner Brothers is considering moving uh, their uh, big budget Godzilla versus Kong movie to a streaming service. Uh, likely HBO Max because that's their streaming service. Um, though supposedly uh, Legendary Pictures, who's like the the studio that actually like produced um, Godzilla versus Kong for Warner Brothers, um, they like shopped it around to Netflix, which Warner Brothers was not too happy about, uh, reportedly. Um, but yeah, I guess the story here is they're considering moving Godzilla versus Kong to streaming rather than big screen. Um, and I'm not sure if I'm into that, um, just cause like, uh, so this is part of the same universe as like the, the two most recent Godzilla movies, as well as Kong Skull Island. Um, I've seen all of those movies. I was a big fan of the first Godzilla from 2014. Uh, I thought Kong Skull Island was pretty good. Um, and then, uh, Godzilla King of Monsters, like the human characters in that whole side of the movie just didn't work. Um, but the actual, um, like big, like kaiju fights I thought were fantastic. Um, and I saw that on like a, on a, like a big screen. Um, and it was just, yeah, it was incredible. Um, and so I think watching Godzilla versus Kong, like at home rather than like on a big screen would be a very different experience. Um, just cause these are the kind of movies that like very much call for as big of a screen as possible just to like emphasize the size of these monsters um so like don't get me wrong like if Godzilla versus Kong was to get released on HBO Max instead of in theaters I would still watch it just because I'm very curious to see what a Godzilla versus Kong movie in 2020 looks like um but I I'd be lying to say if I wasn't disappointed that I couldn't see it on the big screen um but yeah what do you guys think about this yeah, I, I think we're pretty much on the same page. I think um, I definitely would rather see it on a big on a big screen. I, I feel like these characters are that that that's that's the point of seeing a Godzilla versus King Kong fight is that you're seeing it on on a big movie screen. Um, I I liked the first one um, in in 2014, 
And I'm not seeing uh, Kong Skull Island or uh, the second Godzilla movie, but um, I think I would see Godzilla versus King Kong if it were on a big screen. Like I think just out of curiosity and just to see the spectacle of it, I, I definitely would go see it. But if I just have to watch it like on my TV at home, that's not really something I would be very excited about. You have any thoughts here, Mia? Um, um, I mean, I, I guess I can just agree with whatever you guys have said that, that yeah, it's going to, I think the tone of the movie to, to see it on a smaller screen, which is unfortunate, but it's probably the, the best sort of, um, way for this movie to like make any, any money than just pushing it further back and further and further back words. But, um, yeah, I guess. Do we know what um, platform it's going to be released on? Not for sure, um, just because these are just reports going around. I would assume it would be HBO Max, just because, again, that's Warner Brothers kind of designated streamer. Um, but yeah, it would be something like that. Okay, yeah. Well, then, I guess we'll see. It'll be interesting to see how that pans out. Yeah, moving on from there, uh, briefly, we got uh, the confirmation that Mads Mikkelsen has officially joined the Fantastic Beast franchise um, and is replacing Johnny Depp as the, the main villain, uh, Grindelwald. Um, they're currently shooting Fantastic Beast 3, so they were probably in a rush to, to, get, this, to get this casting uh, through. Um, and yeah, now it's official. Uh, we talked about this a couple of weeks ago when it was first reported that it was in the works. Um, I think we we're all pretty in favor of it. Uh, I think Mads Mikkelsen is probably a better casting than Johnny Depp was initially anyway. Um, so yeah, I'm in support of this. Um, we'll talk more about Harry Potter later because we're continuing our Harry Potter month. Um, but yeah, uh, do you guys have any quick thoughts on this? Yeah, I think I think I mentioned it when we first talked about it, but I never was fully on board with Johnny Depp as, as Grindelwald. Um, just because I thought it was a weird casting and the way that that character was was revealed and presented was just not great. Um, so yeah, I, I think Maz Mikkelsen's a great choice because he just kind of generally plays evil dudes um, across the board. So it'll be good. Um, yeah, and then the last like, big uh, movie franchise bit of news we've got is um, involves the Predator franchise. Um, we got the news that director Dran Trachtenberg, who did 10 Cloverfield Lane a couple years ago, is going to be directing a fifth Predator movie. Um, notably, this is not in the same universe or connected to the, the Predator movie that Shane Black directed a few years ago. That one wasn't very good anyway, so I'm not too upset about that. Um, and it looks like, yeah, this fifth Predator is going to be in the same universe as the rest of the Predator movies aside from that. Um, I've only seen the first Predator and the new Predator. Um, the first Predator, I think, is fantastic. I think it's watching it, it's very obvious why it's a classic. Um, it's just kind of a really fun, intense 80s action movie with Arnold Schwarzenegger fighting an alien. Um, but yeah, I'm I liked 10 Cloverfield Lane. Um, we've talked about it a little bit on this podcast before. Um, I think the ending of the movie where they kind of just like realize, oh, hey, this is a Cloverfield movie and they throw a bunch of aliens into it. Um, I think that kind of ruins it for me. Uh, but everything up to that point I loved. Um, so I'm, I'm interested in this, um, but I'm not like dying to see it by any means. Do you guys have any thoughts here? Not many. Um, I have not seen any of the Predator movies. Um, Predators, at least the original one is definitely on my list of uh just kind of general 80s classics that I want to watch um uh this break but yeah I think in general um without having seen any of them I think it's not it's not really a franchise that people are, are clamoring for anymore I feel um but hey maybe maybe this one will be better than than the most recent one so Yeah. Uh, do you have any anything to add, Mia? Um, I also have not seen any of the Predator movies, um, and I also haven't seen. I only saw like the the OG Cloverfield um, movie, and so I have. I don't know what that directing style the the director has. Um, but yeah, I guess 
who knows how that will turn out i don't know i always i guess i'm leery of when a a franchise is kind of dragging out and five seems like a lot in a franchise although it's been extended over many years so who knows maybe it'll be um a fresh take but i don't have super high hopes (laughs) needless to say uh yeah we also got one bit of tv news before we jump into our trailers for the week um, and yeah, the, this news is that uh, The Last of Us has officially gotten a green light from HBO to be a full series. Um, so The Last of Us is a popular video game series. Um, and yeah, it's getting adapted into a TV, a TV series at HBO. Um, I haven't played these games. I don't play a lot of video games. But we know that David has played both of these games because he talked about them uh, earlier in the semester uh, for What Have I Done. So yeah, I'll throw this to you, David. Uh, what do you think about the Last of Us getting uh, an official green light as a series for HBO. Yeah, not gonna lie, I definitely thought that this already was greenlit. Um, I think it, it had just been rumored apparently, um, at least a few months ago, and at least they said that they were developing it, and now it's gotten like, yeah, the official green light that's gonna happen. Um, and yeah, I, I'm really excited for it. Um, it's being, we, we don't know too much about it yet, but it's being uh, co-written by uh, Neil Druckmann, who uh, was the director for the first two games and 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 the writer for those and and pretty much has been had came up with the story and everything um and craig mazin who was uh the writer of chernobyl which i've talked about on the show before um just a fantastic miniseries on hbo um so yeah i think it's in really good hands and um they've said that um at least you know, it probably will be a multiple season thing, uh, most likely. Um, but at least like for the first run, it'll be pretty much just an adaptation of the first game. Um, but they're going to be expanding on the story a little bit. Um, just, you know, kind of fill in the blanks of it. Um, and they've also said they might incorporate some parts of the second game as well. But I think that I would assume that they would just do, you know, first season, first game, second season, second game kind of thing. Um, but I mean, with like you know like these are like 20 25 hour long games so i think you can even expand it out even further and maybe do the first game over two seasons or something like that um but yeah either way i'm i'm super excited for this and definitely um yeah definitely looking forward to see who they cast because i think that'll be really kind of a crucial step yeah if they do kind of like what you were saying where like the first season's the first game and the second season's the second game would you be at all interested in like if the show's a success and they continue on beyond that uh would you be interested in them kind of continuing the story of this of this series like on their own like making a third season like even if there's not a third game and continuing it beyond that um or would you rather them just like stick to what's already been done in the games yeah i I think i'm kind of on the fence about it because i i'm still on the fence about whether I want to see a third game in general, um, just because it ends, it ends in, it has a very ambiguous ending, but I think you could leave it there and it would be fine. It has a really depressing ending, but I think you could, it kind of fits like the general moral of the games and the kind of the theme of it overall. So I think you could leave it there. I don't think they will. They haven't announced any plans for a third game, but there was like an eight year um gap between the first and second game so we wouldn't be hearing about a third game for a while anyway um but yeah i think if they're they are going to continue that story past like the two chapters i think i would rather see it in a game first and then you could uh do a third season of the tv show but yeah i I think yeah that's that's pretty far down the road so i I think um yeah definitely we just want to see kind of like the first yeah first two seasons first game kind of thing yeah, um, moving on from there, we've got we've got two trailers to talk about this week. Neither one of them are particularly like big trailers, so we can just kind of talk about them together. Um, but first, there's the trailer for Clifford the Big Red Dog, which this trailer was kind of just an announcement trailer. It didn't really show us much of the movie, um, but we got to look at we got to look at Clifford, and he looks like a big red dog. Um, and then we also got a trailer for uh, Chaos Walking, which is a new a new science fiction film starring Tom Holland and Daisy Ridley. Um, it appears that like Daisy Ridley crash lands on a planet that's just kind of like full of guys and like you can hear all of their thoughts and they might have killed all the women in their in their on their planet. Um, and it looks it looks okay. I wasn't blown away by I mean I wasn't blown away by either of these trailers. Um, 
The only reason I'm really interested in chaos walking is just because it's Tom Holland and Daisy Ridley. And I'm curious to see like what they do in uh, a movie like this. Um, but yeah, I, I'm not like jumping up and down about either of these trailers. Do you guys have any thoughts? Yeah, I, I think first of all with Clifford, um, I, you know, I don't really care about this. <laughs> um, it's definitely gonna be a kid's movie kind of thing. Um, I saw a lot of like outrage on on Twitter about like the design of Clifford and they're like people kind of comparing it to like the Sonic, uh, the initial Sonic reveal um, and how like they're going to need to change the look of Clifford. But like he's he's a big red dog. Like like I don't know what people are really expecting. Like he's, he's, he's a big dog and he's red and that's like they got it. Like I, I think they, they 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 pretty much got what they should be going for. Um, but yeah, I think it could be interesting. I feel like they might just kind of make it like, just to, to add some drama into it, just be like, the government wants to explore, experiment on Clifford. Oh no, I feel like that could be something that they could do. Um, but yeah, you know, it probably will be fine. Uh, with uh, Chaos Walking, yeah, I think it kind of just looks like a generic weird sci-fi post-apocalyptic kind of thing. Um, I, I have a lot of questions on like the lore of the universe of like, seeing people's thoughts and like how there are no women left and everything like that. Um, but yeah, maybe it'll be fine just with the, with the star power that's in there. Um, Mia, what do you, what do you think about these trailers? Um, well, I didn't see, I only watched about half of the chaos walking trailer because I was not blown away and I was actually a little disappointed, so I didn't want to finish it. Um, and so I, I also did not see the, the Clifford trailer. Um, but I was reminded of the horrific like puppet sort of thing that they used when they filmed it and that kind of scarred me so I wasn't terribly invested in watching the actual trailer but um I guess I was surprised overall about um chaos walking because I heard a lot of reports work out because they had to like I think reshoot some scenes and like the character like the actors had aged a little bit like they shot it I think over three years ago because I was actually in like the same city as Tom Holland like when they were shooting it it was in um, Quebec and um, so I guess I was just surprised overall that it was actually going through because I know there had been a lot of hiccups um, with the production so I hope it doesn't flop but I really don't have much hope for it so yeah it's kind of unfortunate with the with the actors that they have in it as well so it's too bad but we'll see and yeah i guess from there uh we'll just jump into our main topic for the week um and our main topic this week is our conclusion of our harry potter month um this whole this whole month we've been just talking about various harry potter harry potter topics um, we're technically still recording this in November, though I don't think it'll be out in November, but we're counting it because it's still November when we're talking about it. Um, so yeah, uh, as has been the usual, David is our resident Harry Potter czar, so I will, I will hand the reins over to him, and yeah, we'll talk about some Harry Potter. Yeah, so gonna be ranking all eight of the Harry Potter movies today. Um, yeah, I think... Just like in general, I like my least favorite Harry Potter movie is pretty close probably to my favorite, <laughs> like in general, because they're all pretty good. Like there's not one where I'm like, I don't like this one at all. Um, I think I generally like all of them. Um, I think like the ones near the top are like pretty clearly my favorites, but yeah, I don't think there's a lot of distance between these two movies. And I think that's pretty, that's like a, pretty um common opinion and just like looking at like fan ratings and like critic ratings like they're all pretty good so so yeah so i think how we're gonna how we're gonna do this is yeah eight movies so we'll each go around and give our our bottom three and then our middle three and then our top two so so yeah um i can get it started if uh everyone is cool with that cool 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 all right so at number eight, I have uh, Harry Potter and the Order of the Phoenix. Um, this is probably just the one I've watched the least. Like, I think I've only seen this once, and it was probably a very long time ago. 
Um, and I, this is also my least favorite book from memory. And yeah, I, I haven't watched, I haven't seen them. I haven't wow, watched, seen, read. Read is, read is what you do to books. Um, I haven't read um, uh, the books in a very long time. Um, but uh, yeah, the fifth one, I just feel like is a very meandering book in general. And I think the movie is better than the book in this case. Um, but yeah, not a whole lot happens in this movie. It's just kind of like, Voldemort's back and no one believes Harry. And that's just kind of like the general, like there's not really a, we got to defeat this. Like there's not a clear like villain or antagonist of this one um, or like very, you know, like I guess, I guess Umbridge is kind of the villain of it. And they're trying to like form Dumbledore's army and all, and all that's pretty interesting. Um, but yeah, I just, I just don't have like very strong opinions on this one. Um, and uh, next up, I have Harry Potter and the Half-Blood Prince. This was actually the first one I saw in theaters. Um, it was in 2009. Um, and I remember being really scared by it as a tiny nine-year-old David, uh, specifically the scene where they're trying to get, I believe, the ring or the necklace or something. They're trying to get a Horcrux, and they go to, like, this weird lake and um, there are like these like weird undead zombie monsters that try to attack them. And I was not having it. Like I was very, very scared <laughs> by it. Um, but yeah, again, I don't think I've seen the like this in full since I saw it for the first time. Um, and yeah, I just, I think it's okay. I think like, I, yeah. And I guess overall spoilers for all the Harry Potter movies because I mean, if you haven't seen him, I don't know what you're doing. Um, but yeah, I think Dumbledore's death is really, you know, well done and very emotional. Um, but yeah, I just don't remember this movie a whole lot. And I and I think just the fifth and sixth ones, just they're just really sad. And there's not really like a payoff at the end of like, there's hope. It's just like, things are going to get a lot worse <laughs> is kind of just the general tone of the fifth and sixth movies. So that's like why I'm not a super huge fan of them. And then at number six, I have Harry Potter and the Chamber of Secrets. Um, I think like, and I'll get to uh, the Sorcerer's Stone um, uh, soon, but I think like the first two are like very clearly kids movies um, and, you know, are pretty solid movies, but I think they don't really, you know, the acting isn't super great yet. Like they, like those, you know, the actors haven't like fully kind of gone into their roles yet, I feel. Um, and yeah, the second one's solid. I think the book is also just like kind of okay. Um, I think the the part with the basilisk at the end is really cool. Um, just kind of a good like final fight. Um, but yeah, I think it's just not as memorable as some of the other ones. So yep, those are my eight through six. Kyle or Mia, who wants to go next? I can. <laughs> um... Well, I I have it on my phone, but I also have my computer, and my computer's not like letting me show it, so I have to read it off of my phone. Um, well, so I actually have the beginning movies kind of as my least favorites, sort of for reasons that you've mentioned, Dave. Like they're more of like like the kids' side, like more catering to kids, um, and like the actors aren't as well developed, and like. I guess you're sort of, well, actually, I don't remember who the directors are for the, like, the beginning three, but, um, yeah, at, at number eight, I have the Sorcerer's Stone, um, and then, I mean, eight and seven are really pretty, pretty close, because then it's Chamber of Secrets, um, I have those ones so low, just because, like, sort of for dumb reasons, I guess, like, the animation is, it's like very dated um and I mean there's nothing that you can do about that now but um that sort of like takes away the magic for me I guess a little bit um and I think I just like the the older movies or like the most recent ones um just because it's more of like the adult themes I mean it follows along like the stories you know the stories or the characters mature um as as they grow up as is reasonable um and then at, at number um i guess six is the order of the phoenix um i just watched that for probably the third or fourth time a couple well i guess maybe two months ago now and um it's i think my least favorite book 
because Harry is super angsty in that one. And that also has Umbridge. And Umbridge is probably one of my least favorite characters um, for good reasons. You know, I think she's a, a very well done villain, but that really makes that viewing and reading experience pretty uncomfortable just because she's so terrible. And also like Harry's going through his own crap. Um, and he's also like, I think that's the one he's really into Cho and his hormones are just going crazy. So it's just, it's a real angsty movie to get through. Um, and it's, yeah, it's definitely not at the top. I also don't, I didn't really like what they did with Sirius in the movies. I really love his character in the books, but I'm not a big fan of, um, of him in the, in the books or in the movies. So, um, I think that's why I have Order of the Phoenix at number six. It's just not, not a favorite of mine. So that is, those are my top or least favorite three. Mia, do you not like Gary Oldman as Sirius Black? I don't know. I think, I, I, I guess in general, I don't really mature and I don't like how Harry like idolizes him. Um, which is, I think it's done well from the perspective of a 15 year old kid, like boy, like idolizing this, this father figure that he's never had. Um, I think it makes sense, but I, I don't like Gary Oldman's, um, how he, he is serious. I think he was always supposed to be like super attractive. Like that's something that the books are like, he's really hot and then when I saw him I was like hyping him up in my mind because I hadn't seen any pictures and I was like seriously Gary Oldman so yeah not a big fan <laughs> Just I, yeah I very much disagree um I think Gary Oldman's great serious slack I think just like okay, he has well I think he's really good I mean like he's not in it a lot because just at the end of the third one and he's in like a fireplace in the fourth one and then he's in mm -hmm. most of the fifth but like not a ton of it but I think he's really good I think like he does a very good job with that character and kind of portrays like a, like provides a lot of wisdom for Harry and um yeah and and, and gives Harry a lot of like you know backstory into like his family and like tell some more about like his parents um and like stuff that he didn't know about them um and I think he does a good job with that so you were wrong Mia mm -hmm. you're wrong um but but this is a debate for a different time um so Kyle what are your <laughs> three worst Harry Potter movies yeah, so the Harry Potter movies, I haven't actually seen any of them in a minute. Like it's probably been since I was in high school, um, like four years ago since I watched any of them. Um, but when I did watch them, like I watched them pretty much all the time. Like whenever they were on TV, I'd stop and watch it. Um, so yeah, uh, I'm not, my ranking here could change if I were to, to rewatch them all now. Um, and I'm not sure what like the kind of generally agreed upon best and worst Harry Potter movies are. So I don't know how this compares to that. Um, but my number eight, I also have Order of the Phoenix. Um, Order of the Phoenix was actually the first Harry Potter movie I saw in a theater, um, but it wasn't like a planned thing. It was more like I was staying with my uncle in Kansas City and we went and saw Harry Potter. Um, but yeah, like I think it's enjoyable, but I think it's just the one that I think about the least. I feel like there's the least that happens in it or yeah like there's just not it, it feels like it's just kind of treading water in order to get to like the more intense stuff later on um like so like they had just brought back Voldemort the movie prior um and they hadn't like really gotten into that yet um so yeah I, like I think it's I think it's enjoyable I think there's a lot of good moments in it um but yeah I just put it at the bottom of my list uh, at number seven I also have the Half-Blood Prince um kind of for same re for similar reasons I feel like it's just kind of it, it's yeah it, it's just it's kind of waiting to get into, uh into like it's waiting to get to the to the Deathly Hollows and to to everything kind of uh coming to a climax um and but I think that there's a lot more to like about the Half-Blood Prince than there is in Order of the Phoenix I think um all the stuff with Dumbledore um is fantastic and I feel like they develop Snape a lot more as a character and just like it's a lot more character work than, than Order of the Phoenix was. 
Um, and then number six, um, I actually have Deathly Hallows part two um, at number six, um, just because like I really enjoyed Deathly Hallows part two, but from what I remember, um, from what I remember of it, it's pretty much just like all payoff. Like there's, like, I feel like all the setup is in Deathly Hallows part one and then Deathly Hallows part two is just kind of like a couple hours of wizards fighting each other. And it's really entertaining. Um, and if you've watched like all the series leading up to that, I think it's it's a very good payoff. But I think if you take it as a standalone movie, it just doesn't, uh, there's not a lot of like narrative structure to it. Um, from what I remember, I could, I, again, I, I could change my opinion on that if I were to watch it now. Um, but yeah, so those are my bottom three, Order of the Phoenix, Half-Blood Prince, and Deathly Hallows Part 2. Um, so yeah, I guess you're next, David. What are your five through three? Uh, some, some spicy takes in there, Kyle. Uh, not, with, not with your bottom two, but having Part 2 as the six as the sixth best one, do not agree with that, and I'll get to that later. But, um, but yeah, I think you're wrong there. But anyway, <laughs> um, so at number five, I have Harry Potter and Deathly Hallows Part One. Um, I think I like this movie more than most people do. Like, I think this is, I think kind of the reverse of what you said, Kyle, where like this one is all the setup and the second one is the payoff. I don't think a lot of people like this one because of that. Like it is a lot of just like Harry Potter and his friends in a tent at like while they wait for like the big fight at the end, you know? And so I don't, like I just like talking with other people I know like this is kind of generally considered to be a lot of people's least favorite just from what I've I've spoken with people about but I actually really like this one um because I think it it does give a lot of like really good character development between the main three and it's the first one that like isn't in Hogwarts and so it's kind of like a new setting um and I think there is just a lot of interesting action scenes and kind of um and just time time like it's kind of the calm before the storm of this of the last one and i i don't think i've seen this one in full in a very long time but i just really enjoy like what they do with the characters in this one um and kind of everything that it sets up for the final one um so yeah and then at number four I have Harry Potter and the Philosopher's or Sorcerer's Stone, depending on where you are. Um, yeah, I think, like, objectively, I would maybe have a few of the other ones that I mentioned above this, but I think for, like, just what it did for the rest of them, I think it's, I think it's a really great achievement, you know, like, they had to cast all these kids in these roles and really like like the first one really had to deliver for any of the other ones to even exist and I think it really does like it's definitely a kids movie but you know I think there's there's a really great charm to it and this is the one where like John Williams's score is like really prominent in it um and yeah there's just something like really magical about the first one to me um that I think like objectively, I don't think it's like a super great movie, but it just kind of like, I have a lot of nostalgia for it. Um, and yeah, then at number three, I have a uh, Prisoner of Azkaban. I think like these top three are like, like definitively my favorite ones. Um, yeah, I think the third and fourth one, but the fourth one I'll get to, like really act as like a bridge between Harry Potter movies as kids movies and like Harry Potter movies as just as, as like, you know, like as just kind of movies for everybody and 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 they get they definitely mature as they go along and that's the case with the with the books as well um because the third one is definitely like a pretty big step up in like just kind of like how dark it is from the second one to the third one i mean the second one has like the big snake and like the snakes like paralyzing people and that's kind of scary but like the third one you know there's everything with the dementors and there's a big werewolf chasing them around and um, and yeah, I just think it handles all that really well. I think, um, uh, I forgot, I forget his name, um, but the guy who plays Lupin is really great. Um, and this is the first, this the first one with the, uh, new Dumbledore with Michael Gambon, who I don't like love as Dumbledore, but I think it's like a, a, a pretty seamless transition from the old, from original Dumbledore to Michael Gambon. Um, and yeah, I just, I really love the third one. I think, like it just has a really good aesthetic and um, I just love like, see, I love everything with the, with the time turner and then, then going back in time and kind of like reliving everything again. Um, 
and yeah, it just, it's, I think it's a lot of fun. So that's my five through three. Mia, what are you thinking? Um, I definitely respect those choices. So good on you. Um, at, at number five, I have uh, Prisoner of Azkaban. It's probably so low on the list because of Sirius. Um, it's also no, like not a favorite move, um, book either of, of mine. Um, I think it's definitely like starting to ramp up like the seriousness. Ha 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 joke that was a bad pun but it's starting to ramp up just how um high the stakes are I suppose in this world um and you know they're the kids are growing up but um I do like the time turner element I think I like it executed in the movie and I realize I'm talking a lot about the books when this is about the movies but I think you can't really like divorce the two from the other um so yeah, I'm not the biggest fan of this one. I don't like really a lot of the storyline with, um, oh, what is his name? Peter Pettigrew, Wormtongue. No, Wormtail. That's <laughs> that's Lord of the Rings, <laughs> Wormtail. Anyway, yeah, not not the biggest fan of, of this movie. Um, at number five, The Half-Blood Prince. Um, Growing up, I liked this movie a lot more than I do now. Um, I thought it was really funny, like all of the romance. Um, and that's certainly like a big element of the book. Um, that's really funny. But now seeing it, I think probably five or six years later, um, it's not like it's, I see just like how childish it all is. Um, not that I'm like super mature or anything, but I think it's it's just funny seeing like all of these dumb like, 16 year olds like in their first relationships and seeing like how that all plays out I do like the dynamic that um is building up between Ron and Hermione in the sixth movie um as he's dating Lavender and then she's with Cormac um and like you start to sense like the a definitely an interesting element um and then obviously with Harry doing all of his that's I think the year that he starts learning more about Tom Riddle with like one-on-one -on -one with Dumbledore and then they're looking for the the horcruxes so I think it's it's definitely higher on it, but there are some elements that kind of knocks it down off of those like first three spots um and then number three is part one it's been a hot minute since I've seen this one um I do remember just liking how similar it was to the book um because obviously like the book is like huge I don't even remember how many pages it is I feel like it's like five or six hundred pages like it's it's a hefty book so I think it works well to break it up into two parts but I can definitely understand some of the the feelings of like a cliffhanger that you have to wait another year to resolve um but I really liked some of the elements like Dave what you were talking about like the character development especially between them as you see just like how important um the three are and how important like that friendship is um but that they go through um is like really really serious and um I think it's yeah it's one that lends itself well to being watched like after you've passed that age just because I think now I can appreciate it like looking back and I, I can appreciate like um important a relationship is at that point so in life um those are my yeah numbers are hard what about you Kyle yeah, uh, number five for me, uh, I have Chamber of Secrets. Um, just, I really enjoy Chamber of Secrets. I just think it's kind of a fun, uh, just kind of general like Harry Potter movie. It's from that early, uh, that kind of, it's one of the earlier um, like chapters in this story. So I feel like it's not too burdened with like trying to set up a lot, but there's still like, this is where like they really kind of get into, uh, get into Voldemort and just like what he's doing. And I think it's probably, I don't know. I feel like it's one of the more eerie um, Harry Potter stories. Like I, I like everything that they do with 
um, with the Basilisk and just the Chamber of Secrets as a whole. And if if I remember correctly, like Moaning Myrtle is introduced in this one, right? Um, so yeah, I just really enjoy uh, Chamber of Secrets. I haven't seen it in a minute, but I have fond memories of it. Uh, at number four, I have Prisoner of Azkaban. Um, yeah, I think Prisoner of Azkaban is really solid. If, I, if I'm correct, I think it's directed by uh, Alfonso Cuaron, uh, who did, yeah. yeah, who did like Gravity and uh, Children of Men and has done a lot of like very like great things since, but like, yeah, so this is just kind of an interesting addition to his filmography but also i think it's just a really solid entry in the harry potter franchise uh, i agree with david that like all the time turn on all the time turner stuff's great um, i think this is the the one where you like really kind of start to get an idea of like the relationship between ron hermione and and harry and they're all like starting to grow up um so i think it's prisoner of azkaban that this series like really kind of hits its stride um and then at number three i have sorcerer's stone um, just because it's the first one, it's it's a classic. Like it's it introduces you to this world. It's a ton of fun. I think all the all the kids are very well cast, um, and yeah, I think it's just it's just a blast. It's I feel like if you're gonna sit down and watch like any singular Harry Potter movie, I feel like this is the one to do. Uh, just because like any of the other ones, like you kind of get sucked into the overall story. Uh, but Sorcerer's Stone uh, lends itself to just kind of a singular viewing uh, the most. Um, and so yeah, I think it's I think it's a good time. Um, and it's probably the one I've watched the most. Um, but yeah, so I got Chamber of Secrets at five, Prisoner of Azkaban at four, and Sorcerer's Stone at three. So yeah, David, what are your top two Harry Potter movies? So yeah, so um, Kyle, to, to get back to our disagreement on uh, the Deathly Hallows Part Two, the final Harry Potter movie, I have that at, at number two as my second favorite Harry Potter movie. I think I definitely see what you're saying about, you know, it's it very much is the like Avengers Endgame or Avengers Infinity War of Harry Potter movies where it's just everyone's coming together and like everything pays off. Um, I think that payoff is like pretty much perfect. Like I, they, they really, they could have kind of not stuck the landing with this, but it's just a really, really great ending. Um, and I think, you know, like the book ends it really well in general. Um, so they had a lot to go on there, but um, yeah, I mean, I just think I'll I think it's it's I think it's laid out really well. I think it it doesn't get too overburdened by its just like density with everything it needs to wrap up. I think it does a pretty good job with everything. Um, I think like specifically like the scene, like just what it does with with Snape, I think is just fantastic. Um, and that entire like pensive sequence of like going back through his memories and like kind of everything is kind of revealed about like what Snape's been doing this whole time and like what Harry's role is as a Horcrux and everything is just like amazing. And um, yeah, just that sequence where like Harry like finds out that like Snape's like been in love, like was in love with Harry's mom like the entire time. And yeah, I just think, and yeah, emotionally it pays off really well. Um, and yeah, I, I, I love it. I think it's, I, I've seen a lot just because it's on TV a lot and it was just, yeah, I, I remember seeing it in theaters like very clearly. Um, but yeah, it's really, really great. Um, at number one, I have Harry Potter and the Goblet of Fire. I love this movie and book. It's just a ton of fun. Um, I think like, yeah, like I was saying with the third and fourth ones being like the bridge between like the kids movies and kind of like just, you know, things start crap starts hitting the fan kind of thing um this is like really where like the characters have to grow up and like the audience kind of has to grow up with them um because things get really bad in this book specifically at the end um but i love everything with the triwizard tournament um i think those scenes are really a lot of fun um and yeah just that whole sequence at the end of voldemort returning and like cedric's death and everything there i think is really really great um, I think uh, Brendan Gleeson is great as Mad-Eye Moody. Um, he just adds like a really fun element to it. Um, and yeah, it's just, I think, I don't know what it is about it, but it's just always been the movie that I've gone back to like consistently. And just, I think it, yeah, Harry, you know, Harry and Ron and Hermione, they have to grow up like a lot in this, in this, in this movie. And you, and you get kind of a sense of like the first sense of, the kind of like budding romance between Ron and Hermione and kind of Harry's like, you know, starting to figure out that Voldemort might be coming back and everything. So 
yeah, I, I just, I, lo- I love the fourth one. So that is my favorite Harry Potter movie. Mia, what are your top two HP films? Well, I had <laughs> your choices, but flipped. But then hearing you talk, kind of flipped them back. So I will say then, <laughs> I won't disagree with you, and I'll actually say the same. Uh, Deathly Hallows Part 2 at number two, um, just because it does, it wraps up everything. And again, it's been a hot minute since I've seen this. Um, But I think just you finally realize, I mean, you know, it's wrapping everything up. Favorite characters are dying. Like, it's just so serious and so heartbreaking. But then obviously at the end, good triumphs over evil. Triumphs. I can't speak. Um, so I think overall it has to be so high on the list because it just sort of brings everything together, which actually kind of contradicts why number four is my favorite. Um, that was a good segue, but the fourth Goblet of Fire, um, probably my favorite book. Um, I, I think this switch between the third book, third book and the fourth book is like massive. Like the fourth one is so big compared to the first like three books. Um, it's like the first like big boy book and I I just love it I loved what they did with Cedric I think I really liked um just the fact that he was a Hufflepuff and we've kind of got to explore the houses a little bit more um I always loved his character I think the starting out with like the the um Quidditch World Cup is a fun way to start it, but then it also like has the serious like undertones of Voldemort's coming back. And then you have all of the conflict with like Barty Crouch and his son. And I think David Tennant in that role is like perfect. I definitely had a different view um, when I read the books and then seeing that translated onto into film. But I think that that um that pairing is is good. Um and yeah, I think you definitely know like, oh, stuff is going to, it's going to get really serious here. But then like having Cedric, like having his death and then like so close to Voldemort, like actually coming back, I think is really, it just like ramps it up. um, And you realize, I think there's always a part that's like, maybe Cedric didn't actually die, but then you realize like, no, that's actually Voldemort. And like, it's just, it's very serious within like a very short time span um and i i remember really liking the music in this one because you also have the uh the yule ball and the music for that is beautiful um and then the music for cedric's death is beautiful so i think the music plays a part in why um goblet of fire is my favorite so what about you kyle yeah um so number two for me is actually harry potter the deathly hallows part one um just because i love Deathly Hallows part one. I think it's, I think in my mind, I kind of compare it to like Empire Strikes Back in the way that like, this is the one where there's just so much character development and character work um, that I just like can't help but love it. I love like all the, uh, the changing dynamics between Harry, Ron and Hermione and all the conflicts that they face as they're just on the run. Because like, this is, I feel like this is the movie in which like the least happens um, because I feel like most of the movies is like David said earlier, just kind of them hiding out in a tent or in like just trying to avoid death eaters. But I think because it's so simple in that way, I think it works really well because it gives them the, the opportunity to really kind of delve into these characters and their motivations and their, their conflicts with one another and just their general mental state um, of like the world falling around apart, around, uh, falling apart around them. Um, so yeah, I love Deathly Hallows Part One, um, but number one for me is also Goblet of Fire. Um, so we got we got the Goblet of Fire trifecta here, um, just because like how could it not be? I feel like this is like the definitive Harry Potter story because like it it captures like all the fun of like the first few Harry Potter movies, um, just kind of like the fun like wizarding uh, wizarding world isms with like the with the the tournament and. Uh, yeah, I feel like there's just a lot of that aspect, but they also tie in like the overall darker themes of the franchise with Voldemort coming back, 
um, and Cedric dying and just like it just like how dark it gets towards the end but yet it doesn't feel like an abrupt change it like slowly like kind of eases you into that change and then you realize like the direction the rest of the series is going and I think it's just handled really well um, and then as I mentioned with Deathly Hallows Part 1 there was a lot of character development in that and I feel like there's also a lot of character development in this one um, because like you guys mentioned like you start to see kind of like these romantic interests forming and these three characters are getting older they're no longer like the kids they were in the first few movies um, and yeah I just think it's really well handled um, and yeah uh, Goblet of Fire it's, it's very very good um, and yeah that's that's what I've got so we I guess as a podcast can declare Harry Potter and the Goblet of Fire is the best Harry Potter movie <laughs> and if you disagree you are wrong we may have disagreements in our overall list but that's the one thing we can come together and and agree on i think what's great about harry potter is that it can unite people and clearly today we have been united in our love for goblet of fire so yeah so this has been episode 33 i believe of of cinebraskans the daily nebraskan entertainment podcast um, as always, I've been your host, Kyle Cruz, joined by my co-host, David Berman, as well as Mia Everding. And yeah, um, this concludes our, our month of Harry Potter related, related topics. Uh, we've had a good time with it. Um, I feel like now that we've got a two month break, I might actually sit down and try and try and watch all these movies again, um, just because what else am I going to do with my life? Um, and yeah. On that note, uh, thanks, thanks for tuning in. See ya. See ya.